Well, I appreciate uh, Mike's, uh, Mike's ability to sing like that because I love singing, and, but I, I don't know another music. And uh, when I got saved, I would never say no to anything. I would do everything I could for the Lord, you know. And so my mother and I, we were brand new converts. We were going to every revival or meeting we could go to to hear the Word of God preached. And, uh, and so um, my mother and I went to this revival in West Virginia, and the church is packed out. I mean, just packed out. And the pastor walks up to me, and he says, Young man, I understand you just got saved. I said, That's right, sir. I just got saved. He said, Would you be willing to sing a solo for the Lord tonight? I said, I certainly will. <clears throat> and I tell you, I heard a song, and I love this song. Uh, I, I, but remember, I don't know a note of music. My wife was a music major in college and all that, and I love good music. I love good quality music, okay? And so, but I got up to sing that song. My mother was over here on the back, and uh, so I start singing. And when I got to the chorus of that song, I sang, uh, Floods of joy on my soul, like the sea pillows roll. And my mother was, was bending over and laughing. In my heart, I thought, I wonder why she's laughing so hard. And so I got the next stanza, and I even sang it even louder. Floods of joy on my soul, like the sea pillows roll. And mom is almost on the floor back there in convulsions. And I was so upset. I walked back there and I sat down beside her and I said, Mom, why were you laughing so hard at me when I'm singing? She said, Jerry, it's not sea pillows, it's sea billows. I said, Mom, what's the difference? <laughs> By the way, Brother Mike, that's the first and last solo I have ever sung. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, I appreciate Brother Mike. I, I want to say a word about him and his family. Uh, his father and his mother have been very, very dear and loyal friends in our home for years. Uh, Brother Carl Herbst is a great man of God. And his, his boys are a wonderful testimony. All, all three of them, Mark and Matt and Mike, their lives are, they've got a godly, godly dad, wonderful, godly mother, dear friends of ours. And, uh, you know, it's been a blessing to, to see how the Lord has directed in their lives and how the Lord's led Brother Mike here at uh, this ministry here. And we thank God for that, that, the ministry God gave him. And, you know, Brother Cody Bill is a very dear friend to our family as well. Matter of fact, he and his parents only live around a couple hundred yards from my house. And um, when t uh, Cody was, uh, before he, well, he was in college, um, uh, Dr. Ken Hay, I spoke to Wilds in uh, North Carolina for uh, 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 over 20-some years. Um, uh, Dr. Ken Hay, and I, I was preaching there one day, and Dr. Hay called me in his office. He said, Jerry, we're thinking about, about hiring this Cody Bill. Uh, what do you think of this young man? And so Brother Ken Collier was there and, and, and Dr. Ken Hay. And I told Dr. Ken Hay this. I said, Dr. Hay, I will take Cody Bill and my son Scott, teenager by the way, put them against any other two, two, two teenagers in America and they will outwork them. 
And he said, are you serious? I said, I am serious. And so uh, they hired uh, Brother Cody. And, uh, you know, what? I, t- I want to say something that, and I, this may be embarrassing to Cody, but that's okay. But Dr. Ken Hay told me this. He said, Jerry, we've never had anyone work like Cody Bill ever on our staff. You know, that's a wonderful testimony. And you know what? I thank God for my for my friends that I have. I've, and I, one of the greatest things I have and I feel are the friends I make. And I feel like I've made some new friends this week here at this meeting. I said, I believe I made some new friends this week. I hear a name. Can I get a name? Oh, you had me scared for a second. <laughs> but really, guys, it's been great. It has been a, a blessing to be with you all. And uh, the fellowship has been good and great food. My uh, Honestly, guys, I had to be so careful with eating. You don't realize. I do this all the time, you know. And um, I've I got to be very careful about this. But the food's been phenomenal, and we thank the Lord for it. Now, let's all quote that final time, uh, John 3 and verse 30, good and loud, for I, I began to bring this wonderful message to you, okay? <laughs> uh, here we go. John 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. I hope that verse will find a real special place within your heart. I really do, and it'll be a blessing to you. Well, now, uh, take your Bible with me, if you will, please. And I, I would like to have you, first of all, the turn to Isaiah 26.3. And we're not going to read the passage or anything right now, but that's going to be our starting point, okay? Now, here's the message I want to bring to you men, okay? Isaiah 26, verse 3, then I want you to look at me because I want to tell you when I'm, when I'm preaching to you. I'm bringing a message on the three dimensions of personal discipline. You got that? You know, if you are disciplined in one area of your life, then two-thirds of your life is still suffering. However, let's say that you are Discipline in two areas of your life, then still a third of your life is still suffering. You see, men, we want to have a balance in our lives. And if you're going to have a, a disciplined life, it's got to be a balanced life, okay? Some guys are maniacs. They just major in one thing. And the other two parts, you know, they have nothing to do in their lives. And that's not good, men. We want to strive at a balance, okay? And so uh, I want to bring this message, and I trust, men, it'll be a, a real help and encouragement to you, okay? Our Father, we thank you again for this time of being here. And we pray, Lord, you'd bless this ministry, bless Southland and all the staff and those who got part, Father, in, in keeping this thing going for the cause of Christ. Now, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, take the message, and may it be a message that will be pondered and and weighed upon. We ask in Christ's name, amen. The first area of discipline that I want to talk about today is the discipline of the mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, men, the great battlefield is our mind. Everyone wants to captivate your mind. National television will spend millions of dollars for a 30-second 
advertisement. Why? To capture your mind that you won't turn by their products. So the great battlefield that you and I have, men, is the, the mind. And you better be disciplined in your mind. You hear me? But how do you do that, Brother Jerry? Well, first of all, by the memorization of God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Now, men, there's no way that you're going to hide God's Word in your heart without the sheer memorization of God's Word. You know, the memorization of the Word is absolutely crucial within your life. Because when you make decisions, and when you have things you've, you've, that you're pondering about doing, you better, you better wait on the Word of God, okay? Not on your emotions, not upon your logic or your reasoning. You've got to use the authority of God's Word. But then, you not only discipline the mind by the memorization of God's Word, but second of all, by the meditation of God's Word. Psalm 119, says, Oh, how love are thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Now, you know, meditation is very, very significant, very crucial. Uh, you need to realize tonight, that, or this afternoon, that meditation is something that very few of us ever just ponder and think about what it means. Uh, for example, uh, when I study, now everyone's, you know, everyone's different in their makeup. My best time of studying is usually 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. That's me, okay? I may not be you, but that's me. And, um, and when I moved to South Carolina, I was raised in West Virginia with hogs. Okay, Now, not my relatives, please, but I, I was raised with hogs, uh, and I was raised with pig, uh, hogs, and I was raised with chickens and ducks, and, um, but not cattle. You know, I, and the, the man that I rented this piece of land when I moved to South Carolina, uh, this man had cattle right near, he had a fence right near my, where my, my trailer was. That was my home. You know, I, one night I'm studying, and, and all day long, I look, I look out the window, and there's cows. And out there, they're chewing, they're eating all the time, they're chewing, you know. And uh, so, <clears throat> here I am studying at 2 o'clock in the morning, I said, I wonder if those cows are still chewing. So guess what I did? Went out there, and sure enough, I looked out, and there they are, you know, there they are, they're, they're, they're still chewing. You know why? Because God has gifted a, cat, a cow with four stomachs, like most teenagers. We can't fill you guys up, all right? Teenage. But four stomachs, you know, and they can, and what they could do, they could bring up that food they ate several hours ago, and they could bring it back, and they could chew on it. And they can enjoy it again. You know what? That's what memorization, meditation really is. You memorize the Word of God, and then you bring it back up, and you begin to go over and ponder it. And ponder it. For example, many years ago, I'm preaching in Troy, Ohio. Two o'clock in the morning, there's a bang on my trailer. Brother Jerry, Brother Jerry. On the door, here's Pastor Rick Arrowwood. I said, what is it, Brother Rick? He said, Jerry, your son's at the point of death down there in Florida. So what, listen, my, here, here's my son. I do not know what's going on. I found later that there's five doctors around this table saying this boy shouldn't be alive. My son, Brent, the one who made the, the thing last night. 
said he should be alive. And he, and they thought he couldn't hear, but he heard every word they said. And so, hey, we're going to do, men. When you're up in, up in Troy, Ohio, and you've got a son down in Tampa, Florida, at the point of death, what are you going to do? No like? Guess what I did. I began to quote, I went back to bed. And I quoted 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I kept casting over and over and over and over. I'll tell you what, I can tell you the testimony. I can't explain to you the peace God gave me. You know why? Because I didn't suck my thumb. I didn't push the panic button. What will I do? No. The word of God. The word of God. Going over Going over it again. The meditation is so crucial. Do you know something, men? Many years ago, I'm preaching to a large preacher's meeting up in the state of Illinois. When I got through preaching, this large group of preachers, they want to ask me some questions. And so one of the questions was asked, hey, Brother Jerry. I said, yes, Pastor, what is it? He said, how about this man, and I won't mention a name, how about this man who's memorized seven thousand Bible verses, and yet he says his best friends are the Charismatics. He praises the Pope. They've got a book written on him called the Walking Bible. How can a man who has memorized so many verses go in the direction he's gone? And I pause for just a moment, and I said, Pastor. He may have memorized 7,000 verses, but it's very obvious he never meditated on those 7,000 verses. You know why? 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion. And you know what? Men, nowhere does a Bible say he'll make you a success by the memorization of the Word of God. The success comes by the meditation of God's Word. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So men, this area, I cannot challenge you strong enough. The memorization, the meditation is how you will Discipline your mind. Number two, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, 20, is the discipline of the body. Or put the reference down, I'll quote it to you in a moment. The discipline of the body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. When we put that reference down, then look at me and I'll quote it to you. What? No, you're not. That your body... Is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. For ye are bought the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, the extent that God uses me depends on how much I yield my body to him. And really, the extent that God uses anyone depends on how much you yield your body unto him. You see, Our body is not a garbage dump. 
Neither is our body a showcase. Our body is a temple that God should be glorified in this body. But how does that come about? Well, first of all, if you're taking notes, in the area of eating. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, men, I love to eat like you guys love to eat. I've observed you guys eating this week. You, you love to eat. Good. That's wonderful, men. Nothing wrong with that. And I don't want to squelch the fact that you, you, all, had, uh, you all ate well this week. It, that, that's wonderful. But you know what, men? Uh, it's very crucial that you are disciplined in your eating. You hear me? Now, there's a great man of God who's now in heaven, Dr. Bob Jordan from Lansdale, Pennsylvania. I had many meetings with him. Great man of God. Dr. Bob Jordan one day said these exact words to me. He said, Jerry, we need to get to the place where we tell our body what to do and not our body telling us what to do. That's, that's biblical. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, what I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. So often, here's what happened. On Sunday, we'd go home and we ate a big meal, big Sunday afternoon meal. And I like that, you know. And then uh, two hours later, your body says to you, feed me. And you say, okay, body. And your body says later on, as you set your alarm clock to get in the morning, and your alarm clock goes off, and you step in bed, and your body says, lie back down. And you say, okay, body, and you lie back down. You see, spiritually, your body has put a ring through your nose. And your body is pulling you around. And his body says to you, heal. And you go, <laughs> you know, and you heal. Your body is controlling you. You're letting your body control you. And my friend, you've got to be very disciplined in this area of, of, which, of, of eating. For example... Now, men, please, please, I, I, I'm telling you, this, this is Jerry, okay? It's not for you. This is Jerry. Um, I'm a runner, and I have been running now for a good number of years. And I'll get to that pretty soon. But uh, I, I was in meetings one time, and, uh, and, and uh, this guy walks up to me, and he says to me, you're, you're a runner, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I, I've been running. I've been running since 1967, okay? I mean, seven, it's 1976, and uh, I think that's 45 years. But anyhow, um, he said, uh, you drink soft drinks. I said, yeah, I do. I drink soft drinks. I did. I drink diet soft drinks. He said, well, you shouldn't. I said, why? He told me about that for a runner. You know what I do? I go run a, a long distance, you know, 8, 10 miles. Come home, first thing I do, I drink, I, I drink a diet drink. Then I felt so tired. And you know, there's a lactic acid in, in soft drinks that goes right to your, your muscle. And I wonder why I felt, I just ran that all the distance, I feel, feel so tired. It made sense. So guess what I did? Uh, I, 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 I got for soft drinks. Do you, do you see wings back there? Huh? You see a halo? Of my, no, <laughs> nothing spiritual about that. It's just, and by the way, today, Probably close to 25 years now. No soft drinks. You know? Why? Th that's me. 
I want to keep this body in good shape. Okay? And so I'm careful. Uh, when I eat, especially before I preach, I hardly, I, I can't eat a lot anyhow before I preach. Why? Because I know when I speak, I want to be sharp. I want to have the ability to, pro, to project and to speak and be clear in my, in my preaching. And that, that's crucial. There are certain things I will not eat before I preach. Really? Really? No milk products ever. It's not good for your throat. It clogs your throats. A lot of things I just, just, I can't go on, okay? Because, men, it's just something personally where I want to be an individual who does not tell my body, tell me what to do. And that is crucial in our lives. That if we're going to discipline this body, it has to be in the area of our de- eating. You know what I would do with my boys? Hmm? I tell my boys, my three sons, I said, boys, I tell you what, if you guys go for soft drinks for six months, I'll give you so much money. Are you serious, Daddy? Yeah, I'll give you so much money. By the way, dads, I save more money <laughs> by giving them money than, than buying soft drinks. But I was doing more, something more than that. I was beginning to teach these boys about the area of, of disciplining the body. And you know what? It works. It, it really works. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, they're curbing these appetites, and they are very powerful in our lives. But then second of all, we discipline the body by exercising. You know the Word of God says in 1 Timothy 4, 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little. Hey, that's right, Brother Jerry. There's not, much, uh, there's not much advantage to it. It profits little. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me tell you something. And this is not me. This is medical doctors. This is what men in the medical field have said. You cannot be healthy without some form of exercise. Period. And that's true. You can't. You've got to have some form of exercise. And so what I do, now, I'm, again, men, this is not for everybody, and I will not encourage any of you to do the, any of this stuff until you, 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 man, you may know, go to a doctor and make sure that what you're going to do be okay for you, Okay. So I'm not a doctor. I don't go around telling people what to do as far as exercising. But I'll just tell you, my life, I'll tell you what I do. 45 years ago, I start running because of a good friend of mine named Tom Zemple, who got me started running. He ran me three miles the first time, <laughs> about killed me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he about killed me. And I ran, I mean, I hadn't run since high school days. And here I am, 35 pounds heavier than I am now. And he goes and runs me, about kills me. I'm telling you right now, uh, it, it was, uh, I, I saw how, how, man, and you know what? Uh, I then began, I began to run, and I began to run more. And I've run a full marathon, and I've run probably 10 to 15 half marathons and all that stuff. I, why do I do that? To try to impress you guys? No, I'm doing it to tell one reason. I believe in keeping this body in good shape. I really do. I not only do the, the running, but I, I have a system of push-ups and crunches that I do, okay? I met a guy down in Virginia, Beach, Virginia. This guy was so well-toned. I said, what do you do, brother? He said, well, I do push-ups and exercise. I do push-ups and sit-ups. I said, you do? And he told me how many he did. So he said, uh, so I said, I'm going to start. When I get home, I'm going to start doing that. 
I mean, you know what I did? This, the first push-up I did, I hurt. This is my sissy wrist, my right hand. I'm left-handed. This is my sissy wrist. I hurt that wrist. One push-up. And so I, I had, to wait a, had to wait a week or so. God started doing push-ups. And so I started doing push-ups. And so, uh, it took, now men, again, this is me. It took me a long time to get where I am, but I do 40 deep. I'm not talking sissy push-ups, guys. I'm not talking this stuff. I'm talking going down and coming up, okay? I do 40 deep push-ups. I take a minute break. I do 40 more deep push-ups. I take a minute break. I do 40 more push-ups, 120 push-ups, okay? Then I do 175 crunches nonstop. Now, the push-ups are for the upper chest. The crunches are for the stomach, okay? Now, it took me a long time to get there. You don't do that overnight, but it took me a long time to get there. Now, men, I do for one reason. I don't believe I could have the energy that I have in my life. It weren't for the fact that I, I'm working at the area of keeping this body under in the area of eating and the area of exercise. I'm not telling you guys what to do. Do you realize that walking is, good, is as good for you as running? Did you know that? Now, here, here's something that men never under, uh, some people never understand. Now, let's say if, I, if you walk four miles, and by the way, there's something, and I don't know why, but this is medically a medical report. Four miles of walking is absolutely that where you want to kind of get to where you're walking four miles, okay? But let's say you walk four miles, and I run four miles. Are you aware you and I will burn the same amount of calories? We will. What's the catch? Oh, here's the catch. If I run a slow mile, let's say nine, nine and a half minutes, you know, slow mile, and uh, you walk a mile, 15, 20, probably 20 minutes going to tell you to walk a, a mile. I mean, if you're walking real fast, you can walk a 15 minute mile, but you're, you, you really are chucking it to do that. But it's going to take you 20 minutes to run a mile. I'll do it nine and a half. But guess what? The catch is, it's going to take you twice as long. That's all it is. And so you may not be able to run. Well, then you can walk. You, you know what? There's other things. Swimming is excellent for you. Do you right? I guess you, you exercise or you use more muscles in swimming than probably any other exercise I understand. And there's a lot of different things. Now, God, I'm, men, I'm not an authority on this stuff, but I do know a little bit that this stuff of running and, or else walking or swimming or even lifting weights, you know, that is absolutely crucial for you. The reason I do this, the sit-ups, uh, the push-ups and sets is because it's like weightlifting. You're always more effective if you do it in sets. And that's exactly what you want to do. And so, men, I'm saying this to you. You have one body. You are responsible how you take care of your body. Not some preacher. You're going to answer to your dear Lord. And that's why I think it's crucial that we have the second area, the discipline of the body. Number three, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 deals with the discipline of the heart. I'll read you 
Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, gentlemen, the discipline of the heart is very crucial. You know, to discipline this heart, though, how do I go about doing that, Brother Jerry? By worshiping your Lord. And that's a, that's a lost art among many people. What's worshiping God? When you realize who God is, this omnipotent one, all power, this omniscient one who's all knowledge, this omnipresent one who's always with us, you as an individual worship him. Listen how the psalmist put it. Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, Thou art my God. Earlier I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in the dry and thirsty land where no water is. Psalm 27, 8, When Thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto Thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. And so this area of worshiping God is a person who seeks God on his own. He gets alone, and he gets down, and he expresses his love. His devotion for who God is. You know, when you think about how kind He is to us, how gracious He is to us, how He's provided for us, how He has protected us, how He's met all of our needs, physically and spiritually and mentally. There's so much in this area of worshiping God, pouring your heart out to Him in deep affection and adoration. And so, Worshiping God is how you're going to discipline your heart. And then second of all, by witnessing for Him. You know, the Word of God says in Acts 1-8, but you should receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you should be witnesses unto me. And so we are to be a, a witness unto Him. And it's crucial, men, that I'm very careful and I'm very open and I, I become a witness for my Lord. And that goes for you, to be a witness to tell others about our blessed Savior. And you have no idea what, what, what God is doing. As I told you today in, in the morning service of, of the fact that when I made myself available, then all these things God's done for me and given me the opportunity, but I'm making myself available. When I flew down here, I got to, I got to witness to, to a man. I mean, a lady who, who teaches English. Uh, and uh, a complete stranger, and I got the witness to her. She said, beside me. And then when I flew from Atlanta down here, I got the witness to another man. And you know what? Uh, it's, it's, it's been a blessing to just make yourself available. That's all you do. I'm not responsible for people's response. I, I'm to be a witness for my Savior. And that's exactly what you've got to do. And who knows what God would do if you just see the great importance of having a disciplined heart in the area of being a witness for your Savior. Now, men, I'm going to tell you something. These three areas are absolutely crucial in every man's life in this room today. And I hope what I've given you, you'll take it in the spirit that was given. It's a, I confront you with this because it's something we've got to deal with. You know, I taught my boys when they were small, 
and my daughter Jennifer, I would say this. If you did not deal with issues in your life, they will always come back and deal with you. And that's true. If we don't deal with issues in our life, they'll eventually deal with us. And now, men, I, I pray that what I've given you will, will be a help to your life. Let's bow our heads, please. I'm going to give the invitation a little different right now. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just where you're seated right there. Maybe you say, you know, Brother Jerry, you hit some specific areas that I'm battling. Well, I do know how we battle the mind. This temptation's always a force. I mean, it's just blatant all the time. And our minds are under attack. And some of you men perhaps have never realized how important it is to memorize and meditate on God's Word. So when you are tempted, you come back and you use the authority of God's Word. Perhaps you say, Brother Jerry, you do not know the struggle I'm having physically in my life. And you know, the Lord dealt my life about those, those issues of, this, of this, this body. And you know, I, I need a disciplined heart. I don't need a double heart that's divided. I need a, a disciplined heart where I truly worship my Lord. And I, I'm a willing witness for Him. And where you're seated there right now, you say, Brother Jerry, there are some things I'm, I'm really, I, I really need to this. And uh, by the grace of God, when I want to start taking action these things, I want to see God do these things in my life. So whatever I'm, I'm, you, you're whatever it, it may be. And before you, you close in prayer, would you just include me in that prayer? Would you just, where you're seated, would you raise your hand with me? Okay, all right. God bless you, many of you. God bless you, men. God bless you. They put your hands down. Now, Father, I saw the hands, but more than that, you saw their heart. You know the need of every man in this room. And we thank you, Lord, they're here. And we've tried, Lord, to handle this carefully. And yet we've got to be confronted with these issues. It's an area of struggle in all of our lives. We're in the flesh, Father. But we know the Word of God tells us, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And Father, I pray today that what we've given will be a help and encouragement. And you would take it and use it for your glory. To, and these men one day will use it as a testimony to glorify and exalt our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, gentlemen, look this way, please. It's been a blessing to be with you all. And uh, I'm going to go home. Uh, I'm leaving t tomorrow night, and I'm going back to South Carolina. And I'll be home for just three days or four days, and I take off for the Holy Land, West Virginia, for meetings. And, and uh, then I go to Virginia for meetings, and I come home for a week, and then I, I take off for other meetings. And uh, so I, I would, more than anything, I, I covet the prayers of God's men for our ministry. And, and uh, I'd appreciate praying for my wife and my, my mother-in-law. I've never prayed for God to kill my mother-in-law and take her on home. You know why? She's the most sweet, godly lady you want to meet. Although she has dementia and all these problems she has. Um, you know, 
uh, a congestive heart failure and all these problems. And, uh, but she's a sweet, godly mother-in-law. Never, I could never tell a mother-in-law joke. You know why? Godly, gracious, like my mother to me. That's the kind of lady she is. And so you know what, though? I wrote a poem. I've got to tell you this, man. I, I wrote this poem not too long ago. Uh, and, and it really fits this, this what I'm going to tell you about my mother-in-law because God is in control. That is all I need to know. He, well, God, he stepped from me. For he has said, I will never leave or forsake thee. Journey on with sweet joy and confidence, living for him in total submission and obedience. And you know what? I know God's in control. Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. And when God's time is perfect to take mom home, that'll be the perfect time. Do I miss my wife? I miss not having her with me. But you know what, men? These are things you experience in the ministry when you put the priority of your family first. Men, you put your family, you put your wife and your children as your priority. All these other things will fall right in the place. Okay? Well, men, that's all. I'm done. Okay. Pastor, Brother Mike.